0: Welcome to Travel Worth Living, a travel podcast helping to share adventure stories from around the world. My name is Seth, and I'll be your host today as we talk with someone who grew up in Mexico and has since lived in several different countries around the world while working with media production. We talk a lot about her experiences while growing up in Mexico, some of the Mexican cuisine which she enjoys, the history behind pinatas, and how traveling while doing media production has impacted her life. She also shares some of her favorite memories from traveling around the world, and I know you're going to love hearing them. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Griselda. Welcome to the Travel Worth Living Podcast. So glad to have you on.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm really excited to talk to you, especially about your, um, your growing up years, because mm-hmm. you definitely had a different environment than a lot of people, and oh. it was quite unique. So where, where were you born and raised?
1: I, I'm from Mexico, uh, but when I say Mexico, I know a lot of people imagine you know, the sunny, hot beach, and not that I didn't live close to a a, a hot beach, but um, I don't know, it's very touristy-like, if you want to call it that, and glamorized, I guess, uh, that a lot of people have, but I'm from the northeast corner of Mexico, like I'm literally, you cannot go further northeast, you know, the, to, you know, from where I'm from. Uh, so I'm from um, from a city that is right by the in, in the coast of the Gulf of Mexico, with the Gulf of Mexico, and on the border with, <laughs> I'm really bad with prepositions in English, apparently, in uh, the border with uh, Texas, South Texas. So, yes, I kind of grew up with a little, really influenced, uh, very much influenced by the American culture, north american culture so a lot of specifically people... texan
2: culture yeah,
1: exactly so like a lot of people from the center or south of mexico might might say like oh no what is she talking about do you know like uh so i don't i don't want to generalize so this is 100 from the perspective of a northeastern mexican
0: and the border was it like did it run through your city or was it a little bit north still how how far were you from the border
1: my mom literally literally will swim in the river that divides Mexico and the U.S. as a kid and my grandparents yeah my grandparents had a house like literally like there like as I said it 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 was not her backyard it was her her front yard (laughs) if you want to call it that you know
2: (laughs) uh so
1: yeah it was the two houses that I knew that they're lived in uh they were like literally in front of the river that divided the u.s
0: mm-hmm. wow that's awesome so mm-hmm. you were saying like there's a little bit of a difference between like northeastern mexico and what are some of the generalizations of the different parts of mexico
1: well i guess it's just like everything uh culture you know it's uh i think it's a whole package that it's influenced by geography climate and, and, you know, from there you get, you know, the ingredients that you can grow and then the food, the way you speak, you know, the people, the way that people do, uh, do everything, you know, it's a lot, a lot of it, it's based on the weather and, and, you know, if we live close to a mountain, uh, the beach and so on and so on. So, uh, yeah, the, the, region that I'm from is basically the desert desert, uh, area in Mexico, we have mm-hmm. almost every ecosystem in the planet. Uh, and it's a, it's a huge country. So you have many variations of everything, uh, accent, dialect, uh, of course, Mexican food. I cannot <laughs> you know mention Mexico without mentioning food. So like a lot of the cuisine is also influenced by that. And so it it changes, it changes uh, everything. We have different uh, costumes even, like uh, you know dresses, typical mm-hmm. dresses. Uh, depending on the region and really yeah so it's it's pretty rich (laughs) I love it yeah
0: yeah speaking of Mexican cuisine like we need to talk about the food what are (laughs) what is some of your favorite (laughs) (laughs) hopefully this is before supper right no (laughs) what what is some of your favorite Mexican dishes
1: Oh my goodness. Well, of course the classic it's a taco, right? But the, the the actual Mexican taco, not the one that it's influenced by American culture. Um, you know, it's a corn tortilla and then just just meat. Uh, amazing, you know, seasoned, well seasoned meat. Like uh, here I'm going to start speaking with my hands because I just, you know, can picture it how you take the taco and then just you sw- <laughs> Kind of move your head a little bit (laughs) so you can get a good bite. Uh, Put uh, some lime juice in it, really amazing salsa. Salsa is the key. And then uh, maybe raw onion, raw uh, coriander. I know a lot of people don't like it, but it's amazing. Um, And yeah, just enjoy.
0: Man. And do you guys ever make uh, tacos with flour tortillas? Or is it pretty much just corn?
1: Well, we do, especially us in the north. We do because we are, okay. as I said, influenced by the yeah. United States. So we do or or versions of the taco, and of course they tend to be bigger because it's easier to make uh, bigger tortillas. You, it's actually a different method to make too. So okay. um, everything changes. So yeah, you can you, you have the flexibility to make a bigger, uh, whereas with the corn tortilla because you make it with the press. It just mm, limits mm-hmm. to the size of the press. Um, oh. So, um, of course, as I said, uh, this is generally speaking, there's different regions and you have the little, uh, the small corn tortilla, you have the regular one that it's like 10 centimeters, I would think. And then the big one, you know, the the, the one that we call it a wrap internationally for burritos. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to
0: corn tortillas are made in a press then? They're not rolled out.
1: No, no, they're not rolled out. So there's two versions. The one's in the, in the press, uh, but there's also the handmade. So you, mm. you can, yeah, <laughs> literally with this motion, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was in Mexico, I've only been to Mexico once, but we had fresh corn tortillas, and oh my goodness, they were so good. Uh, I, I was just used to buying the packaged stuff in the U.S., that comes in the bag. And I was like, mm, I don't really care for corn tortillas. And then I went and had it in Mexico. And I was like, oh, this is so good.
1: Yeah. I, we don't care for packed, for packed uh, food in Mexico yeah. either.
0: You no. like it fresh. Yes. That's awesome. So, yeah. What, what other dishes are there besides the world famous oh, tacos?
1: You see, I actually, when I was living in England, funnily enough, not even when I was in Mexico, I, I found this encyclopedia that was so thick with so many Mexican uh, dishes and all the different uh, cuisine of the different regions of Mexico, mm-hmm. and um, for me, it was just fascinating how even when I'm outside of Mexico, I get to represent it, and and I get to make a lot because of course you don't find it just like in Mexico. Like I I I rarely made like corn tortillas in Mexico because it's so easy to find them. So you just go yeah. buy them, right? Mm-hmm. So. So even like ever since I'm I've been abroad, I've learned actually to make way more Mexican dishes uh, than I I did when I was back in Mexico, which you know it's just fascinating for me. Um, but one of my favorite dishes is uh, something called ah um, uh, chile en nogada. So it's literally a stuffed pepper, and then uh, with I, I read this that it, it was supposed to be a dessert. The original recipe it was supposed to be a dessert because it has a bunch of fruit in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it also has meat. It was turned into a savory dish. So what? it's like a yeah, so it's it's just fascinating and and it's really it's a really complicated dish and it's only made in one um, uh, around one month in the year in Mexico. And in certain areas of the country, you don't find it everywhere. It's really rare because the process is quite long to make it. Uh, And then there's like this special creamy, nutty sauce that goes on top. And it even has some pomegranate on top, fresh pomegranate on top. What? So it's like all these mixtures of flavor, um, you know, living in one stuffed pepper. And it's not thinking about it. I'm just like really craving it right now. Um, But yeah, I had to travel south. I'm sorry, to the center of the country to, to have it.
0: Mm-hmm. Got you. Yeah, that, that sounds delicious.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So tell me a little bit about growing up. Um, what was, did, uh, did you have like a lot of kids your age in, in your neighborhood? Did you play on the streets? Like what was kind of your childhood memories from growing up there in Mexico?
1: Um, <laughs> it's just so funny that you asked this, but, um, it, it was, it was amazing. I loved my childhood. Uh, of course it was, uh, it, I, we lived in a, in a neighborhood that it was like starting to be populated and it was technically on the outskirts of my city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my parents started building this, this house from, you know, from the ground up and, And then I remember we didn't, we barely have any neighbors at the time and all all the, none of the streets were, um, how do you call it (laughs) with pavement?
0: Oh yeah. Just paved.
1: Yeah. Paved. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, (laughs) none of the streets were paved and it was just dirt roads. And my dad had this truck and every time it rained, it became of course muddy and it was, yeah, it was so much fun. Like the mud got stuck in the wheels of our bikes when we were kids. And I was a total tomboy. I have two older brothers, so I, I always wanted to play outside. And my mom would, you know, put me on a dress for Saturday at, at, at church. But of course, the rest of the week, and even most of the Saturday, I was like up in a tree and, you know, playing That's in the, the dirt. Mess. And it was amazing. <laughs> yes, it was, it was great.
0: Yep. That's that's awesome. I I think it's really cool when uh, kids can just get out and play. And I mean, I grew up very similar. Um, I had a chance to do that in Alaska, where we just take our bikes and go through mud and oh. stuff, especially when the snow oh, is nice. melting. So, yeah, oh, fun, nice. wow, <laughs> fun times. Um, Yeah. So what you you mentioned the dress on Saturdays and you also mentioned that different regions had different costumes. Um, Mm -hmm. What kind of what kind of traditional clothing um, do you guys have there?
1: Well, the one from my region, it's I, I call it the ugly one because it's the only one that it has two only two colors yeah oh man yeah i know i was like what seriously like there's so many beautiful and colorful uh outfits and we got the ugly one anyway uh no i'm sorry no disrespect to the people from (laughs) that's the name of my my state um so it's technically made out of um it's supposed to be made out of leather and it has two colors and it's like a really squared I, i would call it kind of like the 20s Dress, like you know, like it's really squared uh, shaped, yeah. and mm-hmm. it has, like, um, you know, like the cowboys, they have the little, um, like I don't know how you the call it tassels, those. the tassels, yeah, like the tassels. Yes, in a different color, and it has like the embroidered in a different color leather into okay. it, so it has different patterns in the back and so on. So it's really like it's pretty. But if you compare it to the other ones that are like, uh, you know, hand embroidered or it has many colors and flowers and they're like, you know, A-shaped dresses, you know, of course, you know, um, I, I, I know I said that I was a tomboy growing up. But of course, after looking at those beautiful dresses, I was just like, oh, I'm so happy I'm a girl. I get to dress up in these beautiful dresses. Um, and of course, it's not like an everyday attire. It's something really special and expensive that... Uh, Like, I don't know, you would get for to be in a parade or in a special cultural uh, portray of a dance or something like that. So uh, it's something that we were really active as kids in our in our elementary school. So I remember participating in several (laughs) several parades myself. It was it was a thing, I guess. I don't don't know. For me, it was normal. And and so I remember dressing up and I do it till this day. Yeah. Uh, Only in Independence Day, by the way. (laughs) But yeah, it's. On Mexican
0: Independence Day. Yes. Uh, When is that?
1: It's September 15th. Nice. And
0: 16th. Yeah. Uh, What what do you guys do for Independence Day there?
1: Besides Uh, parades. (laughs) A lot of party, you know. Uh, We love food, we love color, we love music. Uh, So basically, we do a representation of the shout. We call it the Shout of Dolores, which is the name of the priest who initiated the movement of, of independence. So we don't really celebrate the day that the independence was signed. We mm-hmm. celebrate the beginning of that movement. So it all started in this teeny tiny town in the center of the country, and it was actually uh, started by a priest. And uh, they had all these plans, you know, to... To um, take over, <laughs> to take over, you know, and claim independence. But all these movement, it was like a secret movement. But he got discovered, so they knew that they were gonna come and get them. So they just like quickly went. He quickly went to the church. This priest went to the church of the town and like rang the bell of the of the of the church. Of course, this is how you gather people in 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 a town, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, he rang the bell. And, you know, you got he got all the people from there uh, gathered in front of the in front of the church. And then he gave a speech It's like, hey, this is our moment. We've been discovered, but we're going to rise up and then we're going to start this movement. So uh, they started to go uh, to the prison that was, I think, like two blocks away from the church. And then they released some of their friends. And then and then they started marching from city to city to gather the people who would join them in that movement. Um, and who controlled
0: uh, Mexico at this time?
1: Ooh, 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 Spain.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I wanted to assume that, but then I was like, I actually don't know. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's all right. I mean, yeah, it was it was uh it was uh, it, it was really tricky. Of course you have the, the outside government and of course you also have the people, the local people who got bought by them mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. because you always, there's, there's, you know, some in the picture it's as well. It's never
0: black and white. It, of course. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so they're marching. Yeah. They're marching. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At the end, they got killed. Uh, like, I think within the next four years, if I remember correctly. Oh my goodness. I'm going to get, <laughs> every Mexican listener is like, no, she's so wrong. Anyway, uh, I have went to a few museums and I've, you know, I've, I've read, of course, and my history lessons, but if, if I'm not mistaken, that's how it happened gotcha
0: (laughs) and so the revolution just continued from there yeah it
1: just started to grow and it just you know uh it it inspired other movements and consequently you know we were independent Mm -hmm. nice so
0: what is what is Mexico's uh relationship with Spain now because you speak Spanish there um do you have like a lot of cultural similarities or do you guys kind of like not really care for the Spaniards or? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I've never been to Spain. Now that we're talking about trips, I've never been to Spain and I've always wanted to go uh, and look at the huge cathedrals. Uh, and I know that by the time that I get there, in my mind, I'm just going to be like, yeah, you bought this with our gold, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but the reality is that, like, but at this time, at this point in time, we're all mixed, right? Yeah, like from exactly. the, you know, we're all mixed. I mean, my grandma, my grandma uh, was coming from Spain, and and uh, you know, but I also have, I also have uh, relatives from my mom's side that are like from, from like really, um, uh, how can I, how can I uh, say this? Um, regional parts of Mexico. I don't know, like in the southwest, uh, um, and they come from like this. Um, they come from this. Uh, what's the word? I'm blanking on this word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'd help you, but I can't. Group
1: of people. They're from this um, community. They're from this okay. really, really tight community that they usually wouldn't mix with other with other places. So uh, at the point by the Point that she was born, the race was really pure, and and you know like so I have those those roots in me as well, and I love I love going to see my family down in in Guadalajara and Jalisco, and and see and look at all the traditions that they have, Um, but we do I mean they influenced us so much I mean we speak the language we. Uh, generally speaking, Mexico has, you know, the religion of of, uh, Catholicism as well. So a lot of the traditions, of course, went into ours, you know, things like piñatas, they come from Spain and use them as a way to, you know, teach children, to evangelize people, you know, um, to talk about the sins and so on. So like so many things that now are traditionally Mexican, they were uh, used from one culture to the other, to uh, you know, for uh, a conquest or religious purpose as well. Mm-hmm. So,
0: colonization, there's so many
1: tiny things, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's interesting because when I also going back to the pinata thing, because we've talked about this before, but in my mind, as an American, a pinata is like a horse shaped thing that you like, beat, and you get candy. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, tell I've me a little those. bit about the history and you, you just <laughs> said a little bit about it, but and what is the Mexican, yeah. what is the traditional piñata look like?
1: Well, the traditional piñata, it's actually a star. It's, um, it looks like a star. So it, it, it started, it was made out of, uh, a, a jar of clay and they would put either fruit or, you know, money, the rich people. <laughs> I think it started with fruit. They would put fruit in there. And then with paper mache, they would put like spikes or cones and it would be in the shape of a star. And so the, traditionally speaking, it would only be seven, represent the seven capital sins. And so basically, once you get rid of or destroy sin, blessings come out. So that's basically the graphic representation of it. Uh, and it has been evolving ever since. And now I think they use the donkey now or like the horse i think it's supposed to represent a donkey i think okay uh, because, probably you know like i think that's part of the stereotype that you know like oh you you're riding a donkey or something i don't know uh but yeah in mexico yeah we have we basically for your parties you you have your theme and then you make the piñata out of whatever cartoon character that you like or whatever and then you destroy it i mean and in christmas we have the star one yeah
0: Got you. Mm-hmm. The, I know it seems so counterproductive to create something that you like like a cartoon character and then beat it up
1: yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, once once you get that outsider's perspective not you know I actually think of it it's like yeah it actually doesn't make any sense but anyway it looks really cute on pictures you know <laughs>
0: yeah but I mean that's how anything is you know when when yeah. we start analyzing our own traditions it's kind of like oh that is funny right? but i still like it yeah Yeah. (laughs) What? that's awesome so then yeah then you started traveling and we talked about how you've basically just uh been told where you haven't really created these travel opportunities but at the same time you've taken these travel opportunities which is pretty amazing so um yeah when did when did you start when did you move out of Mexico?
1: <laughs> when did <laughs> okay, you start traveling? I'd start with saying that even when I was in elementary school, I never saw myself growing up in my hometown. Like I I like I I always knew that there was something else out there. Like I maybe because my dad traveled so much for work and and when I was little, like I was a baby and I was, you know, I think I was, you know, uh but I do remember up until I was like, I don't know, 4 or 5. Mm. I don't know we would go to the airport and drop him off or pick him up. And, um, and I, I, I just never saw myself growing up in my, in my hometown. I thought it was so small. I I liked it and I enjoyed it. And, but I was always daydreaming of going somewhere else. I wasn't really sure where, but I I loved it. And so the first opportunity that I had, I took it. I say, yes, I jumped to the opportunity. Um, I, I started traveling, um, My first trip, funnily enough, was when I was 14. So I I know a lot of people travel (laughs) since they were so, so young. But funnily enough, no, I didn't. Um, uh, In Mexico, we have this tradition of the quinceanera, which is technically like the sweet 16, but at 15. And so my dad gave me the choice, like, what do you want? Do you want a party, a car or a trip? And I went for the trip. (laughs) And wow. I went to Puerto Rico and uh, it was just like, you know, it's, you know, nothing fancy or whatever. But for me, it was just like, whoa, we explore the whole island. I went with some friends. Um, I didn't even go with my parents. I went with some friends, grown up friends, by the way, not for another. Friend. OK, <laughs> no, 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 grown up friends, uh, family friends. Um, and they were going to this trip and they're like, oh, if she wants to come, she can come too. And, you know. So I tagged nice. along. Um, so it was like really nice. They took me, they went to a lot of places, literally all around the island. So it was, it was beautiful. And then I couldn't stop. <laughs> I, by 19, they invited me over to California to do, to work in a, so I, I do media. I do uh, media production and TV production. So they invited me to this uh, telethon for a Christian channel, Hope Channel. And so they invited me over. I said, yes. What <laughs> yes, is the telethon? It is the live program to get uh founding for more programs. <laughs> oh,
0: okay.
1: It, it's a volunteer and donation-based um, uh, channel. So so they needed fans to do more programs. So we went to this eight-hour telethon. It was insane. And I had a blast. Uh, by the time that I was 20 in 2010, I moved to Maryland. And so, yeah, ever since then.
0: You know. <laughs> You've just been traveling. I, I know you spent some time in Costa Rica, and then you were living in the UK for a bit, yeah. and then now you're here in Iceland.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: What were you doing in Costa Rica? Was that um, still media production? Yeah,
1: it was still media. So basically, they were starting their, uh, their channel, their local channel there from the same uh, network. And they mm-hmm. needed some help, you know, uh, training uh, volunteers and how to create it, all the organizational structure in it and how to produce a program and so on and so on. So I went, I was there for seven months. And funnily enough, before I left, I, this producer coming from, uh, well, he's from South Africa, but I met him while working in Maryland. He said, oh, you're in Costa Rica. And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm working on this documentary that I want to do in Costa Rica. Would you come with me to look for places I was like, of course, yes. So we went around the island for a couple of weeks. And then two years later, two years later, we went there and taped a a documentary on animal sanctuaries. And it was amazing. So even though I left (laughs) Costa Rica to do other stuff, I came back and and the adventure continued. Yeah, it was
0: insane. Wow. So have you watched um, the TV show with Zac Efron called Down to Earth? Yes. Okay. Did you go to when he was in Costa Rica, did he go to the same animal sanctuary as you?
1: Uh, I was actually looking at it and I think I've been to most of the like to most of the places that he's been to in his whole show. He was insane. I was like, Hey, hey, you know, he also he also came to Iceland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was just I was just like, dude, where else are we gonna go? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was insane. But anyway, um, that's I so don't... trippy. Yeah, I know. Uh, funnily enough, he was never there when I went. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the uh, annoying part. Oh, I know man.
1: exactly. Come on. Um, but we went to several of them, and um, yeah, it was it was insane. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to see so many animals suffer, and I was crying. <laughs> I was crying the whole time we were taping. I was a professional, so I wasn't showing it, but it was really sad to see like what we as humans, as collectives, have done uh, to to the animals. And sometimes, you know, they don't have a voice. So, so there's a few people that travel there to do a little bit. But of course, this is like a <laughs> this like everybody's problem, right? It's mm-hmm. not just one person's problem. So. Uh, yeah, I learned so much and it got me, like it inspired me to like do my best, whatever I could, right? And so it it really did change my life. I I cannot say it otherwise or lightly.
2: Yeah.
0: So mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned you learned so much, especially working on a project like that, actually being involved with the going to the animal sanctuaries and the rehab facilities and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. What are... What are just a couple takeaways to a travel audience? You know, those who love travel, those who want to do it, or um, want to learn about different cultures and stuff. Um, what are some takeaways that we can do to help either spread awareness or actually um, help solve the problem that are that are yeah. happening to these animals that are making them need to go to yeah. these shelters?
1: Yeah, well, a lot of the things, I'm so happy that a lot of people are aware of a lot of these things nowadays, um, uh, and and maybe now <laughs> now the people who are taking advantage of these, like they just rebrand the, the places and call it, you know, uh, they call it that, they call it sanctuaries, but it's still a zoo, right?
2: Yeah, um, mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, or still a circus or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, the basics will be like, hey, animals are not meant to be in a cage and are not meant to, wild animals are not supposed to be domesticated or or be attached to humans because otherwise they wouldn't survive in the wild, which is why you need sanctuaries for them to kind of live comfortably, if you want to call it that, um, quotation marks, um, you know, for the rest of their lives because they cannot be released into the wild because they have been um, you know, uh, depending on humans. So whatever touristic in, um, whatever, uh, touristic attraction that promises you, um, a personal interaction with the animal, it's not, it's not good for the animal mm-hmm. and not just that one creature, but all of the animals of that species. And all of the animals. So, like you know, that really cool picture of somebody holding a tiger, or you know, like I even like I even got those myself. Um, you are gonna be like, oh, sweet, oh, I want one. And so you might say like, oh, it's actually in a sanctuary, it cannot be released anyway. But this is gonna inspire others or make one others want that same picture. Maybe not necessarily with an animal that has had contact with with humans. So it's it's just really it's just yeah, <laughs> we have to fight against that um, vanity, I guess, if I want to call it that, you know, like, because I, you In know, I've been through yeah. it myself. Of, of course, yeah. Um, And then, like, think beyond, right? So I I I, I know I used to enjoy going to circus and, you know, as a kid with animals, like, my grandma would just used to take me a lot and I loved it, going to zoos and things like that. But after Costa Rica, I just... I'd rather not because I just see sometimes where they come from, like how many animals they have to kill and how many animals have to suffer for a a few pictures. Yeah. I just just don't.
0: Just as a side note, I feel like it was kind of a new thing for me because I grew up going to the zoo as well. And then I started realizing how bad a lot of zoos are and they Mm -hmm. kind of keep animals in captivity just to profit off of them. Um, But I was reading a book recently called Saving the Last Rhinos uh, by an animal conservationist from South Mm -hmm. Africa. And he was talking about how, you know, there are a lot of um, well-intentioned people who are just against zoos. But he said... You know there are some zoos that have to exist like the san diego Mm -hmm. zoo for instance you know Mm. doing rehab and doing education for people Mm. um educating them on why animal conservation is so important because for a lot of kids like they wouldn't even care about animals in africa unless they saw it at the zoo there in san diego san diego so yeah finding that balance between you know which ones to support and which ones to be like hey you know we need to start looking at government policies to shut this down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and see, like on that side, like, I don't know that I know enough to have an opinion about it. Uh, like, at least I personally don't. And mm. I respect, you know, I respect whoever, you know, wants to keep going and so on. Um, I just, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've known them. So I, you know, I don't need yeah. to go again.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. No. And that's where, you know, you've you've shot this documentary you've gotten a lot of information and mm-hmm. you're more aware of it and so you can talk mm-hmm. to other people about these issues and point them towards animal conservationists who are in costa rica and you know know uh, what is helpful for the animals and what's just feeding tourism vanity like you were saying yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah speaking of diff- difficult conversations like you know animal conservation and stuff you also mentioned you went to the refugee camps in france
1: yes Yes.
0: Tell tell me about that experience.
1: I guess I didn't ask for this, but it just came the opportunity, and I jumped to it because I yeah I I was in England. I was. Um, you-
0: You keep saying you didn't ask for it but i I just want to say i feel like you're really good about putting yourself (laughs) out there and and like telling people what you're interested in and just being a very open book and i love that about you and so yeah being asked to do it those opportunities come so for anybody listening if you're interested (laughs) in travel or want to have as awesome experiences as griselda just like put yourself out there and jump at the opportunities
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, of course, by all means, be safe. <laughs> yes. But yes, <laughs> I I knew who I was saying yes to, by the way. No, I yeah, mean, they were, they, they were, uh, they're, you know, they were uh, gathering some uh, clothing and, you know, there's, there were a few people uh, in Dunkirk and in France, in the north of France. So we traveled from London to Dunkirk uh, and then we, um, of course, we had to leave super early and then. Uh, we gathered our stuff. And then, of course, they needed to bring uh, women along. And so they asked me if I wanted to come because by then, I'm not really sure. Like, a lot of people were coming from Syria at the time. And so they were in this huge, huge camp that the French government were allowing them to have. And then um, the, the men are usually in their culture. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to speak really... Uh, superficially about this because I don't really know a lot. I just knew that the men are not supposed to speak with women or vice versa. So in order to help them, uh, we as women could go to the tents where they were um, staying, the women and children, and we had to go and kind of hi, how are you know with with signs because neither of them I mean we couldn't communicate. we didn't have any language in common so I was like, you know, with with signs, uh, with gestures, we had to say, uh, you know, food time over there and, you know, signaling, come over here because we're going to give away food. And most of the women wouldn't even leave their tents. There were tents in the middle of the mud and so much trash. It was, it was a really, really sad and horrible situation. Uh, it was cold. It was starting to get cold. And we were giving away, we had this, we put, they allowed us to have like a small... Stand, if you want to call it that, where we put uh, a lot of uh, clothes and uh, things. Uh, we ca- uh, categorized everything, you know, by size, uh, and then the food. <laughs> kind of like a
0: pop up store, but you kind of charging. like that,
1: yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, so it was filled with men. The streets were filled with men, and of course, uh, it was a little bit for me. I was with uh, a few other. Uh, it was, I think, it was. I want to say like eight to ten of us. Half of us women, women. half of us men. And so us women, we were like gathered in one place and then surrounded by men. It was a little bit <laughs> interesting, to say the least. Um, and then one of our helpers came over and helped us out a little bit because it was a little bit overwhelming. Um, but we, we, I mean, we brought some hot meals and we brought whatever we could to help out. There were a few people from France. Uh, lending us their their huge vans and their houses to prepare the food we made uh uh, I don't remember if it was tea or coffee uh so we brought huge thermos to bring over so they could have something warm and and so yeah it was it, it was something that at the time it was going on in media a lot but experiencing it and seeing their faces like oh somebody like really cared for us or you know um Seeing the reality of the situations really made you appreciate and and be aware of what's going on. Um, and even though it was in like a you know far away part from a from a modernized community, because it was just a campsite, um, the problem was uh, very much present. So so it was it was really humbling. Mm.
0: Yeah, it makes you thankful for the privilege you have.
1: Definitely, yes. And
0: like, like we were talking about travel earlier, there's always going to be somebody who's traveled more than you, always somebody who has written more books than you, made more documentaries, whatever. Like there's always somebody who has it worse off than you. And, you know, no matter where you come from, you can always, and I I think it's a good, um, it's a good exercise in, uh, just contentment and happiness just to think about your privilege. Like think about all the blessings that you have and the things you have to be thankful for. Yeah. Um you mentioned a you mentioned a couple other stories. Uh <laughs> you you wrote here for while well, being in the UK for a year I did a new thing every month and my friends helped me. Yeah. What <laughs> what exactly is the story behind that? And, and I'm assuming, because this was also involved with Cornwall, it also has yeah. the, the, the taxi story involved in this. Oh,
1: my goodness. Not, well, the taxi story is not in this. But okay. Oh God, love it makes me laugh every time. Uh, but no, like, uh, the, of course, you know, at the turn of a year, you always resolutions, right? Mm-hmm. And so they, I've never kept one in my life. Like, who has? I don't know. Like, people that I look up to. Anyway, there was this year. (laughs) They're just not
0: telling you the truth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, please. Thank you. Um, No, like um, there was this year. I don't even remember the year. I think it was 2015 or 2016. And I was like, okay, this year I'm going to do it. I'm definitely going to do it. And so I set up a goal to do something that I hadn't done every month for the whole year. And so my friends basically helped me out with that a little bit. (laughs) Um, And I did it. And it was amazing. I mean... It like some of them were like silly stuff like painting my hair of a funny color so I got like pink and blue hair and so wow. <laughs> um you know something that anybody can just do or whatever but um I don't know like I was I was really it was really nice to finally you know see the whole list and really accomplish something like that I guess I don't know yeah, yeah.
0: no that's that's awesome <clears throat>
1: So, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm just like looking for the for the list right now. But um, but yeah, do you want to do you want me to say it?
0: Yeah, if you have it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it was 2016 and it was like, okay, get salsa lessons. That was the first one. That was uh, January. Of course, it goes January to December, right? Salsa lessons uh, dyed my hair of a fun color. uh, As I said, uh, pink and blue. My first uh, Welsh, Welsh, <laughs> my first Welsh castle. I missed a train. <laughs> that was not a good one, but it had never happened to me. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna write it down. <laughs> um, I missed a train. Uh, my first British town fair. So in Cornwall, mm-hmm. they they do this British, uh, the the Royal Cornwall Show, and and it's like amazing. I've never felt my city, my hometown. It's not a big city. I've never felt more like a city girl as I did there. Like they were making, they were making bricks with mud, you know, like with mud and and straw in hay. Uh-huh. And they were like they had literally had a sheep tent and a cow tent and a pig tent. Like it was it was farm paradise. What? It was amazing. It was countryside paradise. But it was a fair of different days. It was amazing. Um, longest U.S. road trip. Uh, doing media in London. Uh, uh my first refugee camp aid visit that was of course life-changing and i had to put it there um oh the, my first fruit from a plant that i grew it was a tomato
2: oh wow the plant
1: was called uh tom and thomas and then you know tommy were the little guys uh, <laughs> i visited eight countries in a month i had never done that before and i've never done that since uh i sailed a boat and I had a dinner in a castle. So those were wow. my things. Yeah. Um, and an actual British old ca- uh, castle. Like, it was a restaurant. It was beautiful. So that yeah, That is so cool.
0: I love that you could sit down at the end of the year and, like, look at the amazing things yeah. you did that year. Yeah.
1: Not I, I haven't seen it, actually, since then. So I kind of smiled by rem- remembering.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, and then tell me about the, the taxi experience. <laughs> like...
1: Okay, I don't even remember why, but I went to London, and um, uh, uh, you know, this is when you were of, I was in, in the Cornwall. UK. Yeah, I was in the UK. I was in Cornwall. So Cornwall is in the corner, like southwest corner of England, and then uh, London. It's kind of in the south, in the uh, south of England, south in the kind of in the middle point in the in the further south. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I. I I think by car, it would take you like five hours by car. By train, it takes <laughs> um, a, a little bit like that. If if you wouldn't stop, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but of course, because in the it's in the middle of nowhere a little bit. I love Kernel because it's just like a hidden jewel. I love it. Um, you you take a few stops, so it takes you a little takes a little longer. The problem was that it was on a Sunday and on a Sunday, sometimes uh, for National Rail, they do um, they, they sometimes do whatever repairs they need to do, mostly on Sundays. Um, and so I didn't check that they were doing repairs on those last two or three stops that I needed to get there. So what basically what they do is like they don't stop the traffic of people going there. They still sell you the ticket. So I bought the ticket, got on the, got, got on the train, and then I think three stops before, they were like, okay, this is how far the train is going to go. And now, um, you know, to go to your destination because you paid for the whole trip, they basically gather everybody who was going to the same stop, in this case, uh, St. Austal. Shout out to St. Uh, <laughs> uh To St. Austal. And so they they grabbed a cab and then they put everybody who was going to St. Austal in the same cab. Now, this is the middle of the night and, you know, like cities, big cities like London, of course, it's like all lights everywhere, uh, streets, you know, like it's, it's it's a normal city, right? Urban <laughs> metropolis. Yeah. But Cornwall, um, in the middle of the night, I think we went through this road. I mean, you do have the main road that is well lit, it's paved, it's everything. I don't know where we were going, to be honest. I lost signal in my phone. So I literally didn't know where I was going. And I, I assumed we were going west. So I was kind of like okay with it. Like I was, you know, I was at peace, <laughs> trusting. But uh, I was the only girl there. And there were like three guys. Uh, there, it was three of us in the back and the driver in the front. And somebody next to the driver, I think. And then the guy sitting next to me was clearly drunk and had like this bottle in his hand. And of course, when you notice that somebody's drunk you know he was being very vocal you kind of like go to the side a little bit you know like just being polite but just just I don't exist please don't don't talk to me right but this guy was really polite and he was like oh hello good evening I was like oh hi good evening hi how are you you know everybody's so polite in, in England I love it um and so it's like how are you mate I was like oh hi hi it's all it's all good right um and so he was holding the bottle in his hand and drinking straight from the bottle and and he just like i'm guessing just because he he was being polite he like you know (laughs) made the signal do you want some oh would you would you like would you like a drink he actually said that i was like no no i'm good thank you thank you very much and i was like i'm in the middle of nowhere at night with this guy next to me so i just opened my my ipad and i was like okay open something like a video okay okay just I wasn't even listening to the video I was watching because I was just like so aware of my surroundings. Yeah. But I really you wanted didn't to get distracted. Exactly. But I, I really wanted to, you know, <laughs> disappear. That's the yeah. word. Disappear. Um so I was kind of freaked out for two seconds and then I was like, okay, it's fine, but if this were like a different country or a different, I don't know, like a different situation, I I guess it would would have been so easy for me to freak out. Uh, but he was so nice and so polite. And I was like, I didn't really know how to react because I was like, he's being so nice. But, you know, at the same time, i was like, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it was, it, I just thought it was hilarious. I mean. Those like,
0: random experiences you have. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like in Mexico, if a drunk person like comes to you, like you run, right? Like, no, <laughs> like, no, it just became so bad in my uh, hometown that you don't even go out when it's nighttime like i don't so no i just
0: man do was it safer when you were growing up
1: yes definitely it was still really safe
0: yeah so it's just gotten worse recently that's that sucks yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah.
0: um yeah and now you're in iceland i would i we're gonna go ahead and wrap up but i want to hear one last story about your your epic experience on the farm what was it a month ago or whatever? Oh my goodness! Uh, participating yeah, it was like an, in yeah. Grettir.
1: Yeah, I mean they told us about this amazing experience. Uh, of course, you, like uh, sheep over here uh, in in Iceland, they just roam around in the mountains, and you know, uh, and they but in the fall they gather them and then in carols is it is that the, the right name carols? Yeah,
0: they're, yeah. they're um, carols, but that's. They're also called retir. That's what the pins are called. Yeah, it's really,
1: I mean, I have never seen one before. Not that I have like the big experience in farm life to begin with, but uh, just the thrill of like grabbing the animal and pointing to the right direction where they should go like in the mud and the rain. I don't know. It sounds like my childhood, right? Right. (laughs) With that minus the sheep. (laughs) I mean, it was cold. It was rainy. It like most people would be miserable. I think myself, if, if I were that long in there, of course I would be maybe, but it was, it was so much fun and thrilling. And, and, you know, like, sometimes they go away and or jump, like you kind of corner them a little bit and you're kind of playing like um i remember playing uh, football when i was a kid i'm uh, soccer when i was a kid and so like i would always be the goalie of course the girl is the goalie (laughs) if she has to play fine goalie so i would like you know like because you you, can't
0: run as fast as us
1: (laughs) and then like i upgraded to defense at some point but anyway Uh, (laughs) i know uh but yeah like you do this like you know like kind of uh, hint to one side or the other where they're gonna go so it was I feel like at some point I was playing like that with the sheep because I wanted to catch it and they knew I was after them even though it was in a sea of sheep we would like mm-hmm. look for a target and then just go after it so um, it was just so much fun uh, I mean just being in the mountains around you I mean around us it was it was it was honestly one of one of the best weekends of, of, of my trip here definitely it's in the top three <laughs> or top yeah. two it's so so cool yeah
0: that's awesome yeah it's it's so much fun yeah. we did it last year and it's just so much fun being out in the mountains and chasing the sheep
2: yeah <laughs> all right
0: well let's go ahead and wrap up with the rapid fire facts section Do you prefer beaches or cities?
1: <laughs> uh, city that is close to a beach.
0: <laughs> Both. <laughs> Do you prefer Nikon, Canon, or Sony?
1: Oh, uh, I use Canon.
0: Nice. Uh, what is the worst food that you've ever eaten? Mm,
1: Cowbrain. Cowbrains <laughs> in tacos.
0: Was it cooked?
1: yes it was but still still. uh, yeah it was like squishy and horrible oh man
0: (laughs) Uh, now that's that's stuck in my brain do you prefer group or solo travel
1: definitely group um but because of how i am but if (laughs) if nobody's
2: available
1: like (laughs) No, like, of course, I'm not shy, definitely. So I am a people person. You know, I get energy from other people. So, yes. Um, But if there's no option, I had to learn how to enjoy traveling with myself. So the appreciation for the adventure doesn't go down. (laughs) Yeah, I prefer the group. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Do you prefer a train or bus travel?
1: Ooh, Train.
0: Uh, what is your favorite? What is yeah? What is your favorite airport that you've flown through?
1: Oh, I don't know, Minneapolis. That works. Uh, no, I don't really. I don't. <laughs> I've never. <gone. laughs>
0: You're just like <laughs> it was nice. Yeah. No, that's awesome. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to live permanently? Oh my
1: goodness. I kid you not. I kid you not. Cornwall. Yes.
0: Nice. I I want to visit there sometime. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. And last question, it can be as long as you want it to be. What makes travel worth it to you personally?
1: Growth. I I see myself as a different person every time I, I go somewhere. If it's like for a weekend or for, you know, something that I planned, something that an opportunity that came in front of me and I took it. And if it was like for two years, five years, whatever, if I learned something, then it was worth it. And and uh, mostly to have empathy towards other people and to, to understand their perspective on things. Uh, if I learned something and I took something out of that, then it was a success. I think that's something that I value a lot.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this conversation with your friends. You can find me on social media at Travel Worth Living or on the web at TravelWorthLiving.com. I sincerely hope you'll join me again next week for another incredible conversation about travel. I'm Seth Sutherland, and this is Travel Worth Living.